Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan and I'm your spirit guide. Okay, so this weekend I had the honor of being a judge in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. And it was amazing. I, I got to learn from some of the best spirits tasters in the world. They were all gathered together at the Hotel Nico in downtown San Francisco. We tasted through hundreds of marks every day. And then it all culminated in this sweepstakes at the end where we had to choose between like what we thought as a group of 48 different judges, the best spirits in each different category were. It was mind blowing and we're gonna share these experiences with you in two forms. So on Friday, we're gonna post up an audio diary where it's pretty much my whole experience from the entire weekend. But today, I want to share a couple videos that we shot. One with Nate Ganapathy, who's the guy who created Single Malt Daily, words to live by. It's this cool Instagram platform in which he's posting up sexy pictures of whiskey. It's whiskey porn without the porn. And then we have an incredible interview with the King of Cocktails, the guy who started the resurgence, the author of The Craft of Cocktails, James Beard Foundation honoree, uh, one of the most, the guy who started Bar Smarts essentially with, with the help of many others, but the guy who has brought popular culture's attention to the craft of cocktails and the appreciation of fine spirits, one of the most legendary bartenders in the world, Mr. Dale DeGroff. We had an astounding conversation and we wanted to share it with you guys as soon as possible. Hopefully we'll get to interview him again in the future because he's an encyclopedia of knowledge. Be sure to enjoy this podcast responsibly. That means when they tell you it's cast strength, it's not for beginners. Drink slowly with savory approach. What does that mean? I think I'm still drunk from the weekend. So here we are going into our final day. We're going to the sweeps here at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. And we just met this wonderful human being, Nate Ganapathy. He has a, a killer website that we just discovered, Single Malt Daily, which are words to live by in my opinion. Um, but he's constantly more. posting really, really cool stuff. And he's also a first time judge, as am I. So what's Hugely this experience honest. like for you, man? This is one of the coolest things I've ever done, man. Honestly, out of the years I've spent in the industry now, I mean, I never thought I'd be put in a room with 47 other awesome people and all the producers and everybody that you know makes this competition happen has been so kind to me you know and i think it's because i'm the only canadian so maybe they love the fact that i'm canadian and they're like hey, this hey guy canadians are kind everybody loves We're canadians actually kind no, i'm just kidding it's been awesome man and guys like you thank you so much for you know adopting me into this culture this has been well, this is my first year too i'm being adopted how do in you myself. like it man We're, i'm blown away you yeah. know yeah. When we're trying to cover it, because I think it's, this is kind of a heady world to enter into. And I think, for sure. you know, maybe for the common consumer, they might not get like, what are you guys doing? Like, Honestly, what does it mean yeah. to be a professional taster? What, what's that experience been like for you? You know what? It was actually very, very interesting to me as well to come in here because I didn't know what to expect. Right. And so the way the categories are divided and subdivided has been a truly helpful and then having a captain at each table has been really really helpful as well because 
they kind of guide you through how this experience is. And it's a very arduous experience, right? So, I mean, you wake up and you're at 9 a.m., you're tasting, tasting, tasting all day long. And, you know, the thing is that Anthony, the head of the competition, said, take everyone very seriously and it's true like you have really got to put your mind and effort into each one of these spirits because it's going to make or break that person's year right it's such a you know potentially right it's such an important decision and it's such an important competition that essentially it's going to make or break that person's year if they do well or not right so i think a lot of brands hold a lot of esteem in these judges as well tell us about how did you start single malt daily like what's that all about so i started posting about whiskey as a hobby and i was thinking you know why don't people make their pictures look sexy? And so the thing is, when you go into a restaurant, the lighting is dim, you know, the food doesn't get portrayed in a picture as they want it to be portrayed. So when you see restaurant magazines and food magazines, it's on a brightly lit background or a white background or a black background. I thought, you know what? That's how photos should be done. So I started changing the way the photos would look. I started giving them more color, more life, and essentially making whiskey look sexy. And it was totally a hobby. And I kind of had to make this my full time because I was getting five or 600 followers a day and I just wow. didn't really know what to do at that point. And you know what? I said, okay, we're going to go full in on this and we're going to do it and we're going to believe in it. And, you know, my dad and my mom were the ones that believed in it more than anybody. And, you know, now it is where it is today. And I, I can't even believe to say that, you know, we've done Forbes, we've done Men's Journal, we've been on TV. So it's been quite a run, man, honestly. I think it's one of the greatest experiences of my life. I wouldn't take well, it back. Well, congratulations. I've, I just got into it this week. It was like, Wow, this is some incredible stuff. You had like Thank a piece you. of nigiri, a beautiful piece of oh, fish with what man. was it, the Yama 18? Yeah, the Hakshu 18. The Hakshu Very 18. Good. Yeah, oh one man. Of my, uh, Hakshu, I've been to that distillery. One of the most exciting distilleries in the you world. You were in Japan? Oh, dude. I've been very that, lucky in this oh business. Oh, God. Speaking of that, though, like, do you come from a bar background? Not at all. So I actually come from a tech background. And to come into the bar background has been very different for me. That's been the biggest adaptation so far because I don't know anybody in the bar scene at all. And people tell me, oh, you got to go see this guy and this guy. And he's going to make you this drink and this drink. And I'm like, I really just want a whiskey on, you know, neat, really. But yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm learning and I'm understanding more. And now the most, I guess the most rewarding part has been my knowledge of spirits as a whole has become tenfold, you know, Uh, even wine. And and the thing is with wine, I have such a great respect for wine already, but the number of whiskeys that are finished in wine casks is actually out of this world, right? So you see that there's all these sherry casks, all these, you know, then now there's Armagnac, now there's Cognac, now there's rum, and these are all finishes. And you're starting to play with, okay, well, why does this taste this way? And it's, well, because this was fermented this way, this was matured this way, this was toasted this way. And you know that there's a rum influence on a whiskey. You know that there's a wine influence on a whiskey, right? And so seeing that is actually one of the coolest things because the complexity of spirits is something that I don't think any industry has really like there's food complexities for sure but there are you know drink complexities for sure right and like mixologists and oh absolutely mixologists what they're doing and you see something and you're like I really like that how do I how do I get that again oh how do I get that again you know and it's, it's you find out that it's egg white right and you're like whoa that's crazy who would ever think to put egg white in a drink right but stuff like that it goes way back the flip maybe it goes back to 17th century all right they're calling us we have to get back to work man it's been great to meet you i'm glad we could take this journey together first timers hopefully not the last no check it out single malt daily you guys are on insta insta how else can we connect you with your insta Insta, facebook singlemaltdaily.com anything like that in info at singlemaltdaily or nate at singlemaltdaily.com boom nate gonna poppy 
Single Malt Daily. You're the man. Thank you so Let's much. Let's hang out. We got to get to work. Final days, the sweeps. We have with us, this is a, really, I'm honored to be here at this moment. We have the king of cocktails in the house, Mr. Dale DeGroff, the man who really, without Dale and coming prominence, we might not be here doing this at all. Um, Dale has been honored by the James Beard Foundation. Uh, he's personally responsible, in my opinion, for bringing back the resurgence of the popularity of the cocktails in America. I mean, he's the reason Seven Grand exists, or at least one of the reasons. Uh, also, the founder of the Museum of the American Cocktail in New Orleans. And in Seven Grand LA, we have a little sub installation of stuff that you guys have collected. Yeah, and this man over here works for the man who brought the cocktail back to Los Angeles, said Moses, <laughs> and is a friend of the Museum of the American Cocktail and gave us a little bricks and mortar exhibit there, which is really lovely. I'm all over your, your little, your world. It's fantastic what's going on in LA. And I, I teach bartenders all the time and I'm still repeating stories that I learned from you over 10 years ago when we first opened Seven Grand Dale came in and kind of give this this like juggernaut of a history lesson. And I'm still pulling tidbits from that yeah. all the time. So your legacy lives on and on. Um, how did it all start? You were the rainbow room for years. How did it start that you personally started bringing more attention back to the, the history of bartending in America? I always go back to Joe Baum, who was the genius of the operation. Joe started in the 50s uh, doing extraordinary things when he opened the Four Seasons restaurant in the Seagram's building, then one of the first great modern skyscrapers uh, with great architects. Le Courbusier was a consultant. Philip Johnson was a construction supervisor. And Ludwig Mies van der Rohe was the, was the architect. And it was a stunning building, and the restaurant was stunning. And, and, and then he opens a, a celebration of the food of the America, South America, Central America, the Caribbean, Mexico in 1960. And he has, um, he has three mezcal drinks, two, two tequila drinks, Pisco Sours in 1960. He had to import those spirits to New York, to those restaurants. And he said to me when he hired me as head bartender at a little fine dining French restaurant, well, uh, we want to classic 19th century cocktail program. Go get a book called How to Make Drinks by Jerry Thomas. So I went to Doubleday on Fifth Avenue. It took three, finally when I got to Scrivener's, they took, uh, Scrivener's still had a bookstore in those days. They took mercy on me, said, let me look in the old and rare catalog. And sure enough, said, you know, this was written in 1862. You know that, don't you? You know, Joe could have told me that, but that's not how he operated. He gave you a, he gave you a task and you either did it or you didn't, you know. And if you didn't, you made your life miserable until you left. <laughs> But he, he was an extraordinary uh, genius, and here I am in a fine dining French restaurant with a wines of Burgundy, a two-star Michelin chef, and I'm like, why am I doing this, you know? And then one day, Benny Goodman is sitting in my bar, and I went to the wine master, and I said, what the hell is going on here? And he said, oh, it's the Rainbow Room stuff. I said, what Rainbow Room stuff? He said, Joe, where have you been? You know, he's doing two floors on top of the 30 Rock. I'm like, get the hell out of here, you know? And I thought from that second on, I want a piece of this, you know? So I start, I came up with the idea of doing, well, I ran it by Joe first. I said, How, Joe, what do you think about, in the Rainbow Room Project, doing a menu of drinks of supper clubs, past or present, that are in the shadow of this great building, you know, like the old Stork Club, the Copa, you know, Colony Restaurant on Fifth Avenue. So I like the idea, I've done it already, but I like it. Give me a menu, show it to me. And that's how it started. 
Then you also have uh, the business bar, which is like kind of a, a program that helps certified bartenders. Certainly not alone. I have five of the most extraordinary partners, you know, Paul Paco, whiskey genius and author of several whiskey books, and Steve Olson, an agave, you know, juggernaut and he has a one of the one of the um, partners in in uh in Delmay Gay and then we have Doug Frost who's a master of wine and master sommelier and also ma making wine up in Washington state we got uh, Andy Seymour is a, a organizational genius in the back of the house and uh David Wondrich who is our historical oracle in this business you know and he, he's he's the guy that keeps us keeps us uh on our toes I wish I had known him when I was at the Rainbow Room and I Decided to make punch one day, <laughs> you know, and not having a clue what it was, but uh, it's it's a really good company. And you know what it you know what it says to me that there was a sea change in the way big drinks and small drinks company decided to do business right around the end of the last century. They saw all these luxury products coming on the market. And they saw the cocktail rising again to the surface, and they started investing heavily in those products. It exploded. You know, we all know. I mean, we, we went from a few thousand to hundreds of thousands of brands. And they also wanted to cover their bets and make sure this wasn't a flash in the pan. So they thought, all right, so let's, let's educate not only the co consumer with the advertorials that Paul and all these people were writing, Dave Broom, over, you know, about how these things are made. And they were full-page New York Times advertorials that were fascinating, you know. You know, how do you malt? And there's, there's Paul malt in the malting floor, and there's Paul digging peat, you know. And, and then, they, uh, then they put literally millions of dollars into educating the trade. That's where Barr came in. And we, we, we started by ourselves. But when they sent their executives to take our class... They said, we want this, but we don't want the, the master's class. We want the journeyman's class, you know, for bartenders all over America. And that's how BarSmart started. Mm -hmm. And they have literally put, when I say $100 million into that program, I mean it. So these drinks companies like Diageo and Paranoid Card, and they have decided that the return on, on educating the trade is vast. And they're right. We do it at our bars. Yeah. We require our bartenders to do the BarSmarts program. And this... And this you know, is amazing. Teaching, you know, essentially there's a lot of bartenders sitting in this room. Bartenders never had any interest in tasting. Tasting? What does that got to do with making drinks? What are you talking about tasting? You know, Most of the bartenders didn't even taste one-tenth of what was on their back bar. Right. And that's why I have a job now is I try to help bartenders yeah. learn how to taste so they can help the guests find the spirits that they're going to love. Some, somebody made a decision way a long time ago that it was the wine guys who got the taste and the food guys. What the hell was that all about? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know one of the most important things I learned from you was kind of like um, the importance of a bartender in a civil society. And, and they, historically, like a bartender might be someone who like, if the sheriff was out of town, you go get the bartender. If the doctor was out of town, you go get the bartender. Can you speak to that song? You know, well, I mean, it, 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 it's historically, I mean, the precedent was probably set in Pompeii. I mean, you know, where they had the wine bar, you know, you can see it, it was excavated. And you could imagine a centurion with his elbow on that bar, shooting the shit with the bartender, you know. And the bartender was, in every society throughout history, I think the person who, who, who managed that hospitality place was a place where civilization happened. You know, I know that the anti-saloon league and the, and the uh, prohibition folks, they, you know, they, 
they depicted bars as buckets of blood and, you know, and, and places where civilization broke down. But it's the opposite, in my opinion. It's one place where civilization actually prospers, you know, and grows and where friend and, and connections are made and people see other people that are different from them, you know, and they and they coexist in this place, this public place. And the bartender is the curator of that space. So the bartender is the guy that keeps people in that mode of wanting to make connections and not wanting to make fights and controversy. And that's his job, you know. He, it's not like being at a dining room table where it's a piece of property that you rent for a while, you know, and the server really wants to be in and then gone because you're, you're doing business, making love, maybe even having a bite to eat, <laughs> you know. But uh, so the bartender is a different kind of individual in the hospitality business and a very important one, I think. And hospitality, I think, is more important than ever in our current society where we have these ubiquitous phone devices that actually, although they provide us with a ton of information, can separate us from each other. We can get more focused on this device in our hand than really seeing and listening to the people that we're actually present with in the moment. How about this? We get all the Fox 5 news guys and all the MSNBC news guys, get them together at a bar over martinis. How about that? That's you know. a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be the bartender to bring them all together. So Let them tell jokes to one another and break the ice. <laughs> and it would make the world a better place. I swear it's true. I swear it's true. You should talk to Gaz Reagan about this because he's the man when it comes to... What's his word for it? Uh, mindful bartending? You know, he's got, he has wonderful stories to tell about that in particular, because his dad was a mindful owner and, and, and a publican, as they called him in England, you know. And, and it's, not, it's no wonder that this extraordinary Gaz Reagan, uh, he had a mentor like his dad, you know. We need to create a, a soulful environment where people can come in and without being judged, can be seen and heard and they feel safe and they feel like they can share their experience you know well the craft movement has brought a community back because when i got into bartending in 1974 bar the only community was that you know you'd go to your, your buddy's bar you'd put a 20 on the bar you drink free all night he'd come to your bar put a 20 on your bar you drink free all night that was the extent of community back then you know but now we have an extraordinary community where we take care of our own, you know, I, I mean, I've never seen anything like it, you know, look at, I was, I was a member in LA of the only chapter in America of the IBA, I mean, extended version of the IBA, the USBG. There was only one chapter and that was in LA. There are, I lost count, 39 now, whatever. Astonishing. You know. So, are you still just running bar smarts and writing books? What else are you doing in your day to day? I just life? turned in the new craft of the cocktail 20 years, 18 years later. It'll be out in 2020. And I tried to tell the story that we're talking about now how the, how the craft community emerged and why, you know, and how the culinary side of the business really laid the groundwork for that. And that's what my, my beginning papers in my book are about. And then, you know, I got some of the modern classics and some of my new recipes and just showing where the business went recipe wise. and Hopefully it'll be a, another good book. You know. Can you speak a minute to the importance of wellness in the bar community? You know, we lost Anthony Bourdain this year. People have depression. This can be a, a tough business. You, you have to extend compassion. And sometimes we don't take well enough care of ourselves. Well, it's a, better, it's a much better scene now than it was 
when I was in the business, it was a very solitary business. I mean, then in terms of your mates, I mean, you know, you were more, there was more camaraderie between the bartender and the guests than there was between bartender and bartender. Just so many people taking care of one another and that, that never existed. So I think we're better off now than we ever have been in terms of bartenders who have drinking problems, gambling problems, whatever kind of problems, you know. Uh, I, I think we, we, we have to be careful about, you know, in our policing of one another. Uh, we have to be careful how we do it and we do it in a mindful way and that we don't destroy people's careers. Absolutely um, not. By mistake, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we have to be respectful of each other. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. We're right I on. think we're about to begin yeah, here. Yeah, we're about to begin. Dale, thanks for taking a little moment to chat Pleasure. with us today. That's wonderful. The one and only Dale DeGroff, man. You're the man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs>